0: welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk all things hockey are your hosts brad crisco ryan Hanna, and evan lobsinger
1: i don't know what happened in the off season actually are we going to do our thing to start the episode
2: oh stop it (laughs) (laughs) this is horrible already
1: brad and i have decided that um we got some feedback that we need to visually engage with Evan more because we tend to just talk to each other. And so we decided that we're just going to glare at Evan for 90 Even minutes. Even Fred
2: doesn't look at me like this. <laughs> does Fred look at you a lot? He stares at me and wonders why I'm bothering him.
1: <laughs> when you're just doing nothing. He walks into the room that you were in and stares at you. He's
2: like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, I work in this room. Get out. <laughs> it's his room. <laughs> it's, you used to work in this room. <laughs> Abby does the same thing.
1: She gets mad. Um, What about Kat? Does she walk in? Not... Fred, okay. I should <laughs> clarify. Fred is Evan's cat.
2: cat is Evan's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would be confusing to some. <laughs> uh no, she leaves me alone because like I'll have my headphones on. She can't I won't hear her anyway, so she just texts me.
1: That's actually really funny. Quicker response. She knows how to reach you. Yeah. Um, anyhow, like I was saying, what happened this offseason where every team in the NHL decided, yep. Uh, we are going to beef and try to punk on the Detroit Red Wings. That is the team that we decided we are going to use as a uh, crash test dummy or pinata or whatever. And also what happened where the Detroit Red Wings are saying, uh, yep, if you look at us the wrong way, we are going to stab you in the face and then beat the hell out of you for getting our knife bloody.
3: They identified the threat. And the threat is now the Detroit Red Wings. Watch out, NHL. Everybody seems to have... Woken Up and Chosen
1: Violence. And I have to say, as fans, this is...
2: I'm here for it. It's a treat. I love violence. Settle <laughs> <a> contr- down, <laughs> George Harrow. In a controlled environment, I enjoy it, the violence. <laughs>
1: say, I love sanctioned violence. Do you like MMA? Too sanctioned. Yeah,
2: maybe just a little too much.
1: <laughs> Do you like street fighting? God, no. I'm not trying to die. Hockey. Perfect.
2: Yeah, it's just the perfect level, you know?
1: It genuinely... Okay, I had a really in times where like the con, like where hockey is exciting and fun stuff is happening. That's when we get our most stupid content out. And uh, the Larkin f- punch video synced up to "Welcome to Detroit" was both a masterpiece, my greatest masterpiece, and my biggest, sh- my greatest shame. But watching that, I was like, "This is old school Red Wings hockey. This is Brendan Shanahan flying in the air." Uh, clotheslining Patrick Waugh as Darren McCarty is getting year-old vengeance against Claude Lemieux. I thought Bertuzzi
2: did like the greatest rendition of the Brendan Shanahan oh. jersey pull from behind that I've seen since that game. Incredible. It was uncanny how similar it was. That guy is out there. Like we're
1: talking about the the energy the Red Wings have. He is the poster boy for it right now. He's out there splitting Norris level defense, scoring four goals, uh, you know, playing as if he hadn't missed all this time. And he is the first person to punch someone in the face with the half of an excuse.
3: Oh, yeah. When Larkin cold cocked Joseph Bertuzzi's gloves were off as soon as Larkin's (laughs) gloves were off and he wasn't wasn't directly involved. He's just like, all right, who's up? Uh, this is what we're doing? Cool. Yeah, we're in. We're in. And then he was in, it seemed, every melee against the Canucks. Honestly, we
1: said this year is is going to be no, like, still no expectations in terms of points, still don't worry about wins and losses, none of that. Um, we just have to find the fun and the success other ways. What a joy that we get this kind of fun brand of Red Wings hockey. We're really in a game against the Vancouver Canucks. They weren't great for long stretches. They were getting kind of hemmed in a lot. And we still walked away like screaming and cheering. Obviously, the Red Wings won. But even if they hadn't, I would have still said, yeah, that was a fun game.
3: Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there were. From a good standpoint, there were two things different from last season and one thing that remained the same. The biggest reason they beat the Canucks was Thomas Grice was unbelievable. He is the biggest reason they won that game. So I I can't take away from that. And goaltending was a strength last year as well. So that's not new. What was new is the piss and vinegar they were running around the ice with, taking no shit from no one and dishing it out way more than they received it. uh, Which, hey, if you're going to be bad, why not? And two, the special teams were great pk was perfect and the power play was dangerous and uh, i believe the power play actually resulted in the game winning goal so those last two things were things that did not happen in red wings games last year and uh it's not going to be a recipe to win them a ton more games this year but as we saw last night it is a recipe to win at least some more games this year
1: All right. uh, On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we're going to be talking, of course, about the Red Wings uh, against the Canucks. We're going to be talking about Larkin's suspension and his injury. Uh, We have an interview with uh, Max Bultman, uh, bring him back on the show. It's been uh, probably too long just chatting about the new Red Wing season. And then we'll we'll do whatever else comes to mind. Um, Evan's feeling pretty energetic today, so I'm sure he's going to carry the conversation 10 directions. Yeah, it's
2: been great. It's been great. We uh, had a four-man scramble golf tournament today. We tied for first, but lost because of how they count back the score. So that was great. And then uh, I had to go play hockey, which also sucks. I definitely
3: understood that scoring
2: system. I hate when they have to count back the score. So it's it, it, It basically goes... I think from 18, so whoever has the worst score first out of the you and the other team. Oh. so if we're par 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 par, then birdie par. Well, the team that got the birdie then is the winner. I think it's called retrogression. Is the the name of it? But yeah. So it we lost. should be based on who crushed the most beers and put up that score. It honestly. Actually, may have been us. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me, but my team did. <laughs> go, go get your ticket punch, buddy. You
1: you got robbed. Yeah. Um. Before we get into all of that, actually intros. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Any new, new listeners? uh We talk about Red Wings hockey. We talk about hockey everywhere. Uh, we talk about try to decipher Evan's personal life. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. Uh, I'm Brad Crisco, and I'm Evan. um Keeping it simple today, buddy. I like it. Nice change yeah, of pace. Yeah, you know, bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, Before we jump into everything, though, we do, of course, want to talk about the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is an organization we are very proud to uh, be able to support. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, uh, and it was founded in memory of Jamie Daniels by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. Uh, to learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Also visit wingwheelpodcastcom slash blog. You'll see a post up there about Wings Money on the Board, which is a way that you can support the Jamie Daniels Foundation while uh, rooting on, or maybe not if you pledge for like things like failed power plays, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. So we have over a 100 pledges already. Um, our last rough calculation meant the high end of those pledges could come in around 11 grand at the end of the season. So our goal is to raise $20,000 for the Jamie Daniels foundation across all initiatives uh by the end of the season. So we're hoping that you guys can help us out with that. Okay. Um The Detroit Red Wings got their first win of the year against the Vancouver Canucks last night um on the back of a fantastic game from Thomas Grice, who from start to finish was solid. Like there was no stretch of that game where Grice looked anything other than you know, the form that we saw him over the last third of, of last season. <laughs> the other storylines were, um, it's a good thing that the only weapons that those players had were sticks. Otherwise, there would be multiple dead people on the ice. Yeah. Connor Garland was trying to kill Red Wings. Red Wings were trying to kill Conor Garland. Same with Oliver ekman Larson. We got the world's greatest uh, memeable picture uh, with, who was it, Fabri, Fabri Bertuzzi and Raymond laughing at uh, Chia chase on chase on chase is that did you just say chase on it's just chase on well no wonder they spelled it wrong It's jersey the other day (laughs) um in a 2-1 game there couldn't
3: have been more happening oh yeah well 3-1 with an empty in there come on right 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 i will not tolerate this sam Gagner erasure. sorry 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 uh yeah like i said it was a very entertaining game for a game that like if we're being honest red wings played poorly um they got outshot almost two to one they went back to their old habit of just uh, five man box in the third period protect the lead at all costs which you know has worked so well in the past but as i mentioned earlier they were very engaged uh especially in the physical end of the game uh they both special teams looked great vancouver did not generate many good scoring chances on their power play Detroit only had I think two or three power plays it feels like they didn't have any but the entire time on every power play it, it felt dangerous and it did result in a Phillips Adina one timer oh, yes for the uh, game two. winner from Mo Sider yeah uh because yeah putting that power play specifically I want to talk about because that power play if you had to just show someone a 30 second clip of what's different this year you could clip the 30 seconds right before that goal where they got possession and they were just moving the puck around. And it sounds like it's nothing. Like there was one time Zadina was on the half wall and I forget who was playing bumper, but they were like 10 feet in front of him and he just passed it to him and he passed it right back. And then he passed it to the point and he passed it right back. And those seem like throwaway plays, but the more passes you can make, it puts more thought into the defender's head about what they're doing. And even depending on the distance of the pass, it forces them to move. So this is why we always preach Move your feet and move the puck on a power play because that's how you get the defenders out of position. And 9 out of 10 goals in the NHL result a, a, of someone making a mistake. So the only way you're going to get the defenders to make a, stake, uh, make a mistake is make them move. Yeah. So that is the biggest fundamental difference. Nobody is holding the puck for longer than a couple seconds at that time. But on that one in particular, the puck went around the horn. Z- Zadina put a beautiful seam pass through to Hironik who quite honestly probably should have one timed it. didn't settle it down, kept the puck moving. And then five seconds later, Zadina hit almost the exact same pass again. And then that's when Heronic put it back to Sider. Sider put it over to Zadina. Bang. 2-1 game. So it's such a minor detail that completely changes the power play. It makes it night and day like you're facing a new team. And... I don't know how many power play goals the Red Wings have off the top of my head this season, but it's more than a few, probably more than they had in like a four month stretch last year. But now when they get a power play, it's like, Oh, there, there's a real good chance they're going to score here. And at least it's going to feel like they're going to score. So it's, it's just so nice.
1: We've talked about it so often, but what Alex Tenge has come in and done is use the tools he has. And like I credit where credit is due Yes. Lucas Raymond is a big difference maker and that's the obvious one. But like you've alluded to, Brad, most side are playing where he doesn't. And, and two games in, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. More insiders leading the rookie point scoring races at the moment of recording. Um, he is capable working the blue line right there. And, and he did work well. And, uh, you know, Max is going to reference it in our interview later, but had that pretty move on the blue line. Um, where he pulled it through his own legs, spin around.
3: That's not the first time he's done that no. either.
1: He's done it. He actually did quite a bit of that in the SHL yeah. too. You have Cider, you have Horonic back where he's supposed to be playing. You have Raymond, you know, not making just his right wall dangerous, making the entire ice dangerous because he can dish that puck across and through legs. Um, but just those simple tweaks yes anything would have been better than what the Red Wings had last year but that power play aside from all of the extracurriculars is why Red Wings fans came out of that game feeling so good about a two one win
3: where three one win where really they got outplayed um pre- at five on five like pretty handedly like they that if you just took that game and looked at a five on five it wasn't particularly close in terms of chances and shot generation. Um, It it was literally the special teams that saved the Red Wings.
1: So Fabry had an excellent redirect goal. Um, It was a uh, shot pass from Mark Stahl. It was a really nice set play. Um, Really impressed with Fabry to start the season. I think Fabry has been (sighs) – there's almost an evaluation phase that has stuck too long, like a probationary period in people's minds about Fabry where they're saying – yeah, he's good, but he's just got an increased ice time and this might just be like new team energy. But I genuinely think that this is the Fabry that we can expect to see. And like he is he was and is as advertised.
2: I mean, the only real downside to Robbie Fabry is he was always hurt and had bad injuries. Yeah. And he just couldn't couldn't crack Saint Louis because they were a wagon at that time. Like it just was very poor timing and f- poor circumstances for Robbie Fabry up to this point. So the fact that he's finding success isn't a huge surprise to me. Yeah. As long as he as he has like halfway decent talent, like he does and he
1: doesn't need to be playing with like Larkin all the time either to produce. He does it on the second line and sometimes the third. Um, and sometimes it's the first line center, which I mean, we said <laughs> if anything happens, we know Fabry can play center. It's better to have him play wing, but with Larkin out, which we'll get to that's, that's the role he's going to have to play. So um those were the offensive points that were really good lucas raymond um that one play where he chased quinn hughes down the ice quinn hughes who had zero goals that game and Phillips Zadina, who had one i think if i'm remembering correctly yeah yeah um just
3: we won the draft
1: right yeah um he chased down quinn hughes um hughes had the puck stripped him of the puck made a pass to bertuzzi for the quality scoring chance uh didn't go through and then there was a kind of like a Jumble back and forth. Raymond picked the puck back up, fed it beautifully to Fabry, who had a wide open quality chance. I'm telling you, I don't care what happens with this kid if he goes up or down or whatever, whatever path he takes, he is a special player. If and when he sticks with the Red Wings and we know he's going to make it full time, he is a special player. And this is the first time in a long time, and. In- This isn't a slight at anyone else. I use the word "special" sparingly. This is the first time in a long time the Red Wings have had someone special.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, It's only two games. Seven games could change a lot. But don't
2: touch my mic.
3: (laughs) It was too far away. You can't. You're on a podcast, buddy.
2: Oh God, that's
3: (laughs) right. Oh my God. But uh, it's only been two games, and there's still seven games left in the audition. But (laughs) what I've seen from Raymond, two games, he's he's not going to Grand Rapids. He shouldn't um again the next seven games could go in the tank but yeah preseason plus these two games combined he has not looked out of place at any point and more often than not he has looked like he has uh thrived um he's only got one assist in two games but he could easily like you just referenced on the fab play have more points than he does um i would actually say he's been one of the players who's been too passive on the power play because he's passed up a few good looks um to make the extra pass which you know better to have that problem than the alternative but um yeah so i think as he gets more comfortable it, he's only going to look better and better because it's not even a matter of teams figuring him out he's got so many tools in his belt and the talent to execute him that even if they figure him out he's still gonna be effective in some capacity cider look good on the power play raymond looks uh just as dangerous as ever
1: Two games in, yeah, but the, the audition, so to speak, for Raymond and the initial games for Cider, because he's obviously staying up, um, are going well. I do want to jump over to the extracurriculars, so to speak. Starting with uh, Oliver Eckman Larson, who's looking to reclaim his career in Vancouver, um, had a hit on. Um, nick letty where it looked like I, I don't think it was malicious but it was just one of those plays where letty was trying to hold ekman larson up and ekman larson shoved him and Letty went into the boards awkward um javani smith came in right away and ragdolled ekman larson and ekman larson wanted nothing to do with it like oal just immediately went limp uh he went with the toy story strategy which worked out well because Giovanni was like all right i can't beat up on a guy who's not trying
3: but he played dead with a bear after a while it's like oh, all right yeah
1: <laughs> um Giovanni Smith can go out there and be a liability offensively or defensively. If this is what the Red Wings are going to be facing every game, boring calls, OEL then, you know, slashing more outsider in the balls with a cup check. Oh, drives me nuts. Anybody with testicles know how much it hurts, how sensitive they are and how badly that can go to get hit in the balls. Stop using your stick as a weapon period in the anyways oel apparently not having learned any lesson when giovanni smith sparing spared his life sticked more outside on the balls and then you know got a one two in the face from from tyler bertuzzi who yeah. <laughs> took inspiration from dylan larkin last time went, <laughs> hey i want to try that <laughs> um i think as long as that shit's going to keep happening i want giovanni smith on this team i want witkowski coming up and down as you know as is don't bump anyone else up do, do we need know. witkowski Smith's doing a nice job. The, most Martuzzi's of the doing a nice
3: job. Most of the Red Wings are jumping in there. It's uh Philip Peronic's ready to murder someone. <laughs> dude, Michael Rasmussen has that like Michael okay. Red Wings fans will understand the statement, but I can only say this to Red Wings fans. Michael Rasmussen has Jimmy Howard eyes. Yes. He's Robin
1: Leonard.
2: Eyes. Like,
3: he's he's calm most of the time, but you can tell when he's just, like, on that line of, like –
1: His eyes are opposite s- of Evans.
2: Yeah. He's like – Oh, that's a true meaning. Yes. yes.
3: He's got that look of I'm either skating away or I'm going to murder you. There is no in between. Yeah. Just as an aside, like, very quick aside, Michael Rasmussen still has not gr- – like,
1: in terms of strength, has not grown into his body. It, there's a little bit of Jonathan Erickson syndrome going on right now where I'm like, you should be absolutely dummying guys with the size you are. And he's still young, right? Like, God, he started in the league when he's like 13 years old, practically. because a stupid CHL agreement. Um, but I would like to see Michael Rasmussen get a little bit stronger on his
2: skates. He is 6'6", 221, says cap friendly, which is shocking to me. <sighs> Anyone who's- Heavy w- ankles. <laughs> very, very <laughs> Evan's like, I hit 220 in the off season. <laughs> yeah, geez, I can do that no problem. <laughs> I'm, closer, I'm closer
1: to 200 right now than I'd care to admit. Um Anyone who's worked in you know powerlifting and everything knows that it's not just muscle mass, it's muscle innervation. Or anyone who's worked in fitness. I got a
2: lot of mass, just so it doesn't move very <laughs> yeah, fast. It's <I'm> <laughs> not connected to much. I've, I've got the
1: mass, it's just the cultivating part. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and again, he's not done anything wrong, but- You know, I would like to have seen Bo Horvat struggle to take him down. And that's an awkward play.
3: Like, he reaches around and, and, you know, swings him over. But Rasmussen just seems to be losing every board battle he's a part of, which is, I want to say that's a strength thing, but that wasn't an issue for him last year.
1: I wonder if it's just rust.
3: Yeah, I don't know what's up with it, but it it happened enough that I noticed it. Yeah. Because players do bad and dumb shit all the time that I forget about. Thirty seconds later, because it's a one-off or it's not that much, but it was enough that I'm like, okay, this is weird. Um,
1: on the on the note of the physicality, it was great to see everyone come to everyone's defense. Very obviously, teams would be are taking runs at Detroit, and very obviously, the calls aren't being made. Um, so I'm all for it. Take the penalty. The refs' obsession with calling even penalties drives me nuts. But shit, use that to your advantage. Go in there and punish them. Like you, like you've said before, Brad. This is the punk test, and the Red Wings have passed every time, and I want them to continue passing. And I never thought I would be Boomer Window Ryan,
2: but here I am yeah, saying. Usually, I'm the one who has to go against you, yeah. And well, tell you that you're being a soft something banana. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but Thank it's you. It's that uh, catch twenty two because, like, I I view myself as a very progressive hockey fan, and if they took fighting or hitting out of hockey, I, I wouldn't. Stop watching or be like, ah, oh, you've ruined the game. I think taking hitting out of hockey would ruin the game. I don't think it would ruin the game, but like it, it does change the game.
2: It ruin it for me. Yeah, but, ruin it
3: for me too. But either way, whatever. What a soft banana. Point being that if the refereeing in the NHL Department of Player Safety isn't going to do their jobs, the players absolutely have to. And since those two departments show time and time again, they are not good at their jobs. I understand it's a hard job and I'm more sympathetic towards the refs than I am the Department of Player Safety because they have the benefit of replay. Um, the players have to police themselves. And I know that is, like Brian calls it, the boomer window uh, way of thinking. But it's true. If Ekman Larson runs Letty from behind and Giovanni Smith beats the wheels off him, you know what's going to happen the next time Ekman Larson gets into that exact same play against the Red Wings? He's not going to do it. The next time he stick taps someone and Tyler Bertuzzi cold cocks him in the face, he's probably not going to do that again the next time. Yeah,
1: no one likes that feeling after you get punched hard in the nose where you're just kind of like everything's ringing.
3: Yeah, eventually the Red Wings are going to get a reputation of like, this is a team not to be, sorry kids, fucked with. Yeah. Um, And should the NHL be like that? Should teams have to do that? No, of course not. Do I want the NHL and teams have to do that? No, of course not um because Larkin's hurt right now he's not playing suspension be damned um god knows Anthony Mantha missed so much time because he kept punching people in the head and breaking his hand like it's not good for the game of hockey for this to be such a prevalent issue but because it is an issue I am very proud of the way the Red Wings have handled it I know we're beating this to death no pun intended but um yeah, it's it's important because it's two games into the season and this has been a huge issue in both games. So it leads me to believe that this isn't going to be an issue that's going to go away. And yeah, if Bertuzzi, Ernie, Hronik, Smith, Rasmussen are going to have to keep jumping in time and time again. Well, then that's what they have to do. Am I going to be pissed off and angry when Bertuzzi or Hronik breaks his hand or, you know, gets a concussion? Yeah, I'll be furious because of the stupidity of it all. But f- you have to do what you have to do.
1: I want to talk about Larkin in a second, but the last point about the, the Vancouver game, other than Quinn Hughes didn't score and Philip Zadina did, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, the Garland hit on Zadina, which was initially called a five-minute major, um, and then upon review was called a, a check to the head. Weird situation. Um, Zadina really extending himself, putting himself probably not in the best spot, but Garland Is making a concerted move for the reverse hit as a battle for puck and puck position. Um, wanted your takes on that call.
3: I could see the call going either way. I can see the technicality of it being legal, I can see it being called what it was called. I don't think it's a major, I think my bigger gripe here is the fact that that isn't an obvious penalty in the rule book, necessary more than it the fact that it wasn't called a major because it's kind of shocking to see that check to the head minor called yeah yeah like it was i was happy to see it because like when i when i tweeted about like not liking the hit the whole debate in my comments turned to legal versus not legal and and it was fair because it was very borderline because Zadina did not have the puck yet so there was also a case for interference there um but It's the rules that are the problem, and it's on the player issuing the hit. I don't care that Zadina put himself in a bad position. The onus is always on the player laying the hit. Same with a check from behind. Because we can make the same argument. Larkin should not have turned his back to Matthew Joseph that far from the boards. Matthew Joseph still shouldn't have piled him into the boards from there. Connor Garland didn't need to throw that hit. He had speed, position, and angle on Zadina. He could have just played the puck. He went out of his way to throw the hit. There is always the option to just not throw the hit. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle. The players should want to protect themselves. They should not want to hurt each other. So there is no sense in throwing a needless hit. So again, legal or not, I don't care. It was a needless hit. Garland could have done what he needed to do regardless of Zadina being there. I would like them to change the rule book to make that a penalty. I, I think all hits where the direct point of contact is the head should be a penalty. It's one of the very few rule differentials in the IIHF I agree with. It's not hard to call It's an, and it's not a hard rule to follow. People get too worked up in the, what the else is he supposed to do there? Not make the hit? Yes. Yeah. That is that is that is the obvious answer way more often than people want to give it credit. If a guy's got his head down or he's reaching for a puck like Zadina, he is not in a position to make a significant play there. Yeah. The correct option is not make the hit. Yeah, I
1: think the the real meaty points there are the onus does not matter what the what position anyone is in or, or anything like that the onus is still on the hitter to not injure someone whether you agree or not that is prescribed in the rule book and in my mind that's fair and two yeah there's a there's something in the rule book here for this just not hasn't been conventionally used but it's it should be there and it is um for a, a check to the head how do you avoid it don't make the hit i do believe zadina overextended I think there was a degree of, I don't know. I didn't see Garland light up, but I also don't know that he could have, but I also don't think he would have had, <laughs> could he by that point in the game? It was big, um, as Travis Konechny said to Garland, you're an angry little elf. Um, and I think that was very much the energy. Like He was one of the main antagonists of the Red Wings all game. Um
2: it looks like Connor Garland has the puck and he's literally shielding it from Zadina who is in a very bad position. I I hate looking at stuff that's in slow motion because the game happens at such an infinitely I, times faster than what I'm watching. I don't know. I I think maybe 2 minutes makes sense. You hate to see a guy sprawled out like that, but it doesn't look like the worst thing I've ever seen. It looks like, the,
1: yeah, I think the refs got it right. That's a situation where the major review, I think, worked out well. And you're right, Evan. Like, it's it's game speed versus slow-mo. And oh,
2: slow-mo makes everything look way worse. And the, even, like, the angles, like, your, your highlight thing is really good. Um, you see it from every angle. And every angle, I have, like, a slightly different opinion on, on the outcome and the whole play itself. So, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. We'll have this conversation again when the next borderline Reverse, thing happens. Yeah. I do think, yeah, two minute
1: probably is more appropriate than five uh, and absolutely run and, you know, brawl and do whatever you have to do uh, to Garland as you defend your teammate.
3: I think that's yeah. a perfect response. Yeah, it was it was a hit Garland didn't need to make. So if someone comes in and again, seems it's to exactly. be the theme, punches him in the face till their hand breaks, he probably won't throw that hit again. <laughs> like. Here we are, the Winged Wheel podcast advocating for violence. <laughs> I, like, I hate that I have to, but well, it's the NHL Department of Players stupidity that keeps letting shit happen. And not that this was suspendable. I don't think it was, obviously, as I just laid out for 20 minutes. But, man, like, when when nothing gets called, players have to assume everything's not going to get called. That's the reality of it. Let's jump over to the Department of
1: Players safety. Um Handed out a suspension to Dylan Larkin for his cold cock to
2: uh, Matthew Joseph. I would like to add that cold cock has now been added to my bingo card. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's moving up the ranks real quick. Can we ever see your bingo card? No, nope. it it's it's <laughs> totally f- figurative. Like it's not a real thing. It lives in my brain. You should let us know how we scored at the end of each episode. I could do that. Evan just yells
1: bingo like once every nine episodes.
2: (laughs) One of those little like confetti (laughs) (laughs) firework
1: things. (laughs) (laughs) A disco ball falls from the ceiling. When did you install that? (laughs) I came in while you were on vacation. Yeah. Um, You're a really deep sleeper, (laughs) Ryan. I didn't think I was. You are when I spike your drink. (laughs) Um, The Department of Player Safety handed out a one game suspension to Dylan Larkin for, for the punch on Matthew Joseph. And I think we all knew it was coming, and I think most everyone will agree. Yeah, I mean, you look at that play in a vacuum, that is a suspendable, you know. One game is probably the, the right amount. You could have hoped for a little leniency because he missed a lot of an important game. But you gotta, you do have to send a message that you can't be doing that. I also Tyler think...
3: Bertuzzi really heard that message. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also think that every single Red Wings fan who thinks that that was a fair suspension also agrees that it's well worth it.
2: I would totally. If if guy just ran me from behind like that, and I have had next offseason neck surgery, I would a hundred percent. That that is more than worth it. Maybe even a couple of games would be worth hundred, it.
1: I, I think you could have gone up to three games before I would have questioned it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would have questioned why the suspension was three games, unless <laughs> yeah. unless uh, Joseph's in the freaking hospital. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, if I'm Dylan Larkin or anybody around the team, it d- totally
1: seems worth it to me. <laughs> um. The, the description, though, was a little frustrating because the Department of Player Safety – and you knew they weren't going to do anything because uh, Matthew Joseph actually didn't even receive a minor penalty for the boarding. He received a minor penalty for roughing, which seems to have been like an even-out call because he he didn't do any roughing. He was down on the ice. Yeah, that, that's,
3: that whole player's dream. No penalty for boarding from behind. Then – he gets sucker punched, is laid out, and gets a roughing penalty. That is some A-plus reffing there.
1: So on the books, there's nothing for the boarding, which is, you know, Larkin saw that there's no penalty play continued,
3: and which is why he did what he did. Um I, I don't think if the ref's arm went up or not that it would have affected his decision in yeah.
1: that moment. I don't think so either. I just didn't want to say the quiet part out loud. Um I... The part that really frustrated me in the explanation video is, yeah, everything they said about Larkin is like, you can't punch an unsuspecting player in the face, blah, 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 you're skating, away, you didn't. Yeah, that's all well and good. They described the boarding as uh, it was retaliatory based on uh, Joseph pushing Larkin into the boards, causing him to fall. No, no, no. He boarded him from behind on a dangerous hit. And the only reason they couldn't call it as much was because then that would be opposing the refs and slandering the refs, who... Absolutely, completely, unequivocally, undeniably botched that call. And that's the part of the Department of Player Safety that drives me absolutely insane. They had to have looked at the boarding a hundred times while reviewing that evidence. And just because they can never admit that the refs or they did anything wrong, they will never do the right thing in that situation.
3: No, and it's beyond frustrating too because I degrees of severity – or levels of severity, whatever you want to call it. They can't even seem to get that obvious common sense of their job right. Because when I look at what's a suspendable offense, I always look at what's the worst case scenario of an outcome. Because Just because a player – I hate calling suspensions and penalties based on injury because every play is different. Every person's body is different. Matthew Joseph could board Tyler Bertuzzi from behind, Michael Rasmussen or Dylan Larkin. Well, Rasmussen could walk away scot-free. Larkin could be out the rest of the season because he's coming off a neck injury. But the play is the same, right? So Mm. what is the ultimate worst-case scenario? Dylan Larkin sucker-punching Matthew Joseph could give him a really bad concussion, which is no laughing matter, which is very serious, which is why he got suspended. Matthew Joseph cross-checking someone from behind into the boards could break their neck and kill them. Not likely to kill, but like you could, players in the game of hockey have been paralyzed more times yeah. than hockey fans are willing to admit from hits from behind into the boards. Literally, it happens yearly. This is not a super uncommon occurrence. Larkin could be paralyzed off that hit. Matthew Joseph could have a concussion on degrees. I think of attack- Bertuzzi here, and that's the only.
1: Wow, we are on the same wavelength. Yeah. I, I don't but want to Bert- minimize what Larkin's,
3: but Bertuzzi's punch didn't break Steve Moore's neck. It's when he drove him into the ice after. Yeah, but that could be. Anyways, I- either I- either way, yeah, your point stands still. It's also Bertuzzi's was from behind sucker punch Larkin cold cocked him. Thank you, Darren <laughs> McCarty. Um, but it's it's. I know we're always going to come at this from a homer bias, as much as we try to be objective when evaluating the Red Wings versus the. Other team, the Department of Player Safety, yada, yada, hell, we've been critical of the Red Wings more than anybody else here. I can't fathom the fact that a sucker punch was suspended and the guy who hit him from behind into the boards, the very play that led to it, got nothing.
2: I can't. <laughs> like,
3: the fact that I, can, me and you can believe it is insane, but that to me is the entire problem with the Department of Player Safety. And, and then it happened again later. Pellet to Rasmussen. Pellet should have had the exact same suspension. Instead, he gets to
1: score the overtime winner. Like, and there's an argument to be made that the ref wasn't even going to make that call. He just looked at Rasmussen laid out. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that arm
3: didn't go up right away.
1: But and Larkin, as a result of that hit, it didn't play in Vancouver, and we have no news as to when he'll be back. He's seeing a specialist. This is a guy who. You know, we talk about Bertuzzi going through a grueling recovery. Larkin spent two nights in the hospital and barely avoided surgery. That's how bad his recovery was. And the NHL had to have known about the Jamie Benn thing because, you know, everyone let them hear it that they messed that one up by not even
3: looking at it. And what do they do? They don't even look at this one either. Uh, Fun little aside, Jamie Benn did that exact same thing again today to an Ottawa Senators player. The exact same thing. Off a face-off, player goes down, cross checks him in the back of the neck. The Jamie Spence, the Shea
1: Weber's to a degree, although I don't think Shea or Zdeno Chara's stuff is more minor. I think he just gets away with more minor penalties, but Zdeno Chara, the NHL loves letting those guys get away with their shit. Like, how much had Shea Weber gotten away with when he was on Nashville playing Detroit over the years? Like, infuriating. Remember when he, he drove Zetterberg's head into the boards? Oh, yeah. Like, this isn't, you know, we say George Peros, and I, I do think George Peros has been at times an abject failure in his role.
3: Um, what, you mean the guy who has a clothing line named Violent Gentleman is, uh, isn't is properly suited for the job? Color me shocked. This is the
1: NHL time after time, you know, person after person heading the department year after year has allowed and condoned this kind of thing. The Jamie Benz, the, the – Shea Weber's, the Matthew Joseph hits, all that stuff. It's going to happen until something goes terribly wrong one day. What if, okay, let's say Detroit was one of those teams that did something stupid with their players medically and they rushed them back. and they didn't thank goodness they have a really good team there but let's say um you know andres nielsen just came out today and said ottawa senators told him he didn't have a concussion and he did and that's why his career ended let's say it was that situation and the red wings brought larkin back a little earlier than they should have and then matthew joseph made that hit like you said brad you're talking about the end of someone's career and
3: their quality of life are even worse people because larkin didn't get "Quote unquote," seriously hurt. Although we don't know the extent of his injury yet, people brush it off. It's like, "Oh, I got hit. Yeah, whatever." And call it, that call that
1: a, even a two minute minor to acknowledge that it was wrong would make me feel better.
3: Yeah, and it's there's no consistency. There's no like if a if it's a dirty play that can result in a serious injury, it it should be a suspension. There should not be this gray area of what is.
1: Severe enough. I can't believe I'm saying this, but at least find the guy. (laughs) Like let him know, like, hey man, no. Remember bad. Hit him with the newspaper like you would have done No. Remember when there was a spell of uh embellishment and diving, and then they had that, like they had like a warning system in place and they started finding guys in like in a more concerted way. Do the same thing with hits from behind. You'll see it come out of the game. Guys don't like to to pull money out of their pockets for something that they can avoid. Well,
3: no, Ryan, remember, this is the season they're cracking down on crosstalking. Oh god. Kill me if I hear that again. Oh, but that made it to, what, three preseason games before they're like, nah. Yeah. Anyways,
1: all of this to say, this is just, just, there's no surprise. Between all three of us, there's no surprise. It's justification that punch was worth it three times over.
3: This is our year. We've been doing this podcast for six years. This is our yearly conversation about how bad the NHL Department of Player Safety is at their job. At least Larkin got something out of it this time.
1: The, The theme of this episode, this season for the Red Wings detroit versus everybody fuck it You're not lean into it and again parents kids in the car i'm sorry we'll cut back <laughs> it's just high energy right now but like lean into it if, if that's what the nhl is going to do it's unfortunate is it good for larkin is it good for the players is it good for like their health god no uh is it good for the league and what they want god no um is it what they have to do to make sure that they're defended yeah
2: i like a good dust up
1: Good dust up doesn't hurt, and i'm I'm happy to see the players do it with passion, uh,
2: yeah, I like some emotion, I like some drama, I like I like villains like i'm I want to be entertained, I just don't want to see people be put in body bags,
1: yeah. I was very happy to hate Connor Garland and o e l last night,
2: oh,
3: it was fun, yeah, yeah, especially so was Philip Zadine, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes he was, he's an angry little elf. <laughs> On that note, um, let's jump into our chat with uh, Max Boltman of the Athletic Detroit, good friend of the podcast and um, someone who we again, we are overdue to have back on. So I really appreciate Max taking the time to jump on the show. Enjoy that conversation now. All right, Max, we were just talking about uh, what we were going to talk about for this interview. And I mentioned that it was going to be, you know lucas raymond Moritz Sider which we will talk about but now it's apparently the very prevalent theme of detroit versus everybody detroit has beef with every team and vice versa um and your take on that so very busy first couple of
0: games yeah it has been i mean obviously i think uh Hoover got kind of double their double their money 's worth for all of that stuff just based on how game one had gone with everything with Larkin and so um I think the Red Wings at least to my eye looked looked ready to respond to anything and everything, and they certainly did and uh you know it, it makes for an interesting game i I think uh the fan base reaction to that I think tells you something about what people wanted to see out of these guys and uh you know i i thought the oa oel uh you know cup check on sider or the bertuzzi immediately goes right at him for like I, you know i think the the response to that i think tells you a little bit about um you know what people want to see the red wings do and that's you know stick up for their young guys stick up for each other you know there, there were some some times in that game frankly where the red wings were responding to things that you know i don't know that necessarily needed to be responded to, but they were going to do it anyway because they weren't going to take any chances with it. And um, that, that I think is what you saw uh, through the first two games, at least to Maya. I don't know what you thought.
1: Yeah. I think you hit the, the nail on the head with that, that last point there, which is Detroit was, I don't want to say worked up in a frenzy. I think it was all very justified and it's almost like the kind of spirit you want the team to carry. But, you know, Vancouver could have gone out there and said, boo, and Detroit probably would have jumped them for that. Correct. So there there was some stuff that was borderline or stuff that just kind of happens in a hockey game. But honestly, personally, I, you know, I love to see it. It was, I was talking about this yesterday. This just feels different, this team. Not that the team didn't stick up with each other before, but the season felt lifeless. And I might be putting the cart before the horse here. There's still 80 more games, but no,
0: I get what you mean a lot of look. The reason a lot of people fell in love with hockey to begin with is stuff like this, right? It's like one of the only sports where it's like semi acceptable and like people will talk openly about, you know, some of this stuff. And so to me, um, I, I don't, it doesn't surprise me at all that people are, are responding this way to it because I think it's that's a big part of how hockey's fan base kind of came to be is is this spirit and this energy. And there, it is a, a team element to this. So, you know, I, I when I, especially like you think about uh, on the, on the first game, the, the Stamkos uh, comments about Larkin's hit and He's talking about it and Stamkos says, like, you know, and I, I know Red Wings fans are probably going to cringe at the idea that it was a sucker punch, but like, you know, like Larkin does hit Joseph while he's kind of skating away. But like, if you listen to what what Stamkos says, it's kind of like everything that everyone loves about hockey to me. Like he said, and this is from Joe Smith's article in, in The Athletic, sucker punching a guy while the play is going on. Obviously, he's mad about the borderline hit, but there's different ways you can go about it. You can grab a guy and then punch him in the face. But it's just an unsuspecting guy. It's a sucker punch, whether it's hard or not. That's what it was, right? Like, his whole problem was not you punched my teammate in the face. It was just you punched him in the face while he may- maybe wasn't expecting it or whatever, right? Like, this is why I think a lot of people love hockey is because, like, oh, the only thing Larkin did wrong was he punched him in the face, like, while not also grabbing him to, like, make sure that the guy knew
1: it was coming. You know what I mean? He didn't He didn't get the uh, unwilling consent first. He didn't
0: do the dance before doing the dance. <laughs> So, I, I, no, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I, you know, you, you can hear it in the arena. Like people love, love that the Red Wings are, are reacting this way for each other. And, um, you know, there's the still, I'm sure you saw the still image, right? Of uh, Bertuzzi, Fabry, and Raymond talking yeah, yeah. uh, Chiasen <laughs> on, on the Canucks bench. So it's stuff like that. Like that's a lot of people love hockey for that exact reason.
1: Uh, I'm going to rewind a bit. For any new listeners, uh, we're talking to Max Bultman uh, of The Athletic, um, the Detroit beat writer, Detroit Wings beat writer for The Athletic, and in my humble opinion, uh, one of the best beat writers you're going to find across uh, sports. So uh, Max is a good friend of the podcast. Max, I have a funny story for you. Uh, home opener, we're streaming from the studio, and I'm telling a joke, a stupid long-winded joke that I you know lose the thread on but I push through on stream and I'm looking at Brad and I'm talking to him and as I deliver the punchline Larkin scores the opening goal of the season and I'm like you idiot like what a stupid way to miss the opening goal and I was like oh you dummy and then a few minutes later Brad looks down and says Oh, God, <laughs> Max missed the first fourteen minutes of the home opener because they oversold parking.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know where I was as that as you were having that realization as I was in the media bathroom watching that goal on the screen in the media bathroom because I had walked in after it took me like two hours to get from my doorstep, no to yeah, and I lived nine miles from the arena. It took me two hours to get from my doorstep to my seat in the press box. <laughs> God a lot of that is like, I mean, yes, it was not great that the parking was oversold, but like most of that is purely traffic. Like like even if even if the parking had not been oversold, I would have been walking in at puck drop. Like, so it was like entirely like tra like I left with plenty of time and the traffic for opening and it was a sellout. Like that's how you know, right? Like it was like I don't know if it looked every seat was full or anything like that, but like The, the traffic downtown was more than I've ever seen. And I, I went, I went downtown today for a Lions game. Um, I was meeting up with somebody downtown Mm -hmm. and the traffic was like one tenth. And this, this is for like an 80,000 seat football game, right? Like it was like one tenth what it was for opening night for the Red Wings when I was trying to get
1: into the building. (laughs) So let's talk about that. You know, we're talking about the energy of the Red Wings and how it feels different for fans watching on TV in the arena. Describe to me what it's like for the fans, the the energy in there, and do you see an impact on the players? Because I know Larkin talked about it as well, and I I think it's palpable.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the only tough thing for me to say right now is like we're not back in locker rooms yet, so like it's still because of the COVID stuff. Like it's still we're still at more of a distance than we had been in, in previous years, and so it's a little better than it was before. Now we at least have the option if we want to go into like the room where they're doing the press conference, but it's all still on zoom as an option for people. And we're still not in the locker room. So um, to know kind of the feel is a little tougher. Um, But I don't think it takes that long of like looking at it on the ice to be able to see this stuff. Right. And and to see the the feiciness, and um, you know, at the end of the day, I I think a lot of it, you know, it's one thing to see it in games one and two. And what I think you're really looking for is how does this thing hold up in January and February when, you know, maybe spirits aren't quite as enthused by the return of fans or the possibility of playoff. I don't want to say they can't make the playoffs, but I don't, I don't see it for them, Right. So like, you know, if, if let's say they're out of it by January, February, which I expect will be the case, like, you know, is that still, is that fight still there? And I think that's kind of a, a real test, but yeah, like in the early going for sure. Like, I think they want to stick up for each other. They want to show that they're not going to be pushed around physically. I do think a lot of that has to do with, with probably Larkin and his whole saga. Um, and I also think they've really assembled a team of competitors. Like you, you go up and down this lineup and, you know, you, you look and you got, okay, you know, on the first line, you've got Tyler Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabry, two guys who are not backing down from, from anybody. Lucas Raymond's a rookie and, and he will get in there. And if you watch him, he will get in there. He, I don't know that he's really fighting, but he's pulling guys off of his teammates and all that stuff, right? Line two, I don't know that I see P.U. Suter as a huge scrapper. But you've got Zadina who will who will mix it up a little bit, and you've got Adam Ernie who will absolutely mix it up physically. Line three, you got Michael Rasmussen, no doubt there, right? Like after the first couple games here, and on line four, you you've got Mitchell Stevens, you got Giovanni Smith, and on, and that's before you get to defense where you have Philip Perona who will fight anybody at any moment. You have Moritz Sider who I don't know that he's necessarily fighting, but he's not backing down from anybody. And and then you you know you get down on you, you have kind of your veterans and uh you know stall um Letty, i don't know if they're fighting guys either but but they're you know they, they know how to hold their own in there so it's just a team of guys that doesn't look to me um like like they're not built to take a lot of crap from people and i i have to think there's at least some intentionality to that
1: you talked about raymond and Cider, and and i think let's start with raymond because he, you know he was electric in the preseason yeah he was. and has has looked dangerous even to start the season but there's still a question of how much is that going to stick? Do you think he lasts longer than the nine games? Uh, is this impact a, oh, shit, this kid can play for real, there's no point in sending him down, or is this still an evaluation period in your mind?
0: It's a great question. Um, I, I think, yes, I do think you've seen the flashes to start this season, but even the second half of the preseason and the start of the regular season, like it's not necessarily the same feel that it was in that game against Chicago, or or I think it was against Columbus was the second one where – you know, it's five, six, seven, eight, nine plays per game where you're like, oh, wow. And, you know, last night I thought it was three or four really good players, two or three really good plays in in the game against Vancouver. In the first game, I don't know that I noticed him like a ton other than his assist. But you you see him out there because he's really skilled. And I, what I think the question the Red Wings are going to have to keep evaluating um is – the entire year not just through the first 9 games is it, is he touching the puck enough is he getting to make these skilled plays um because that's ultimately what you want him to be you watch a guy like Elias Patterson and i'm not saying that Lucas Raymond is Elias Patterson Elias Patterson's a, a pretty unique talent but you watch what he does and y- you notice like that's the kind of thing the Red Wings are missing is the guy you can hold onto the puck down in deep and just with his hands and his brain He's going to hold on to it and he's going to wait out for something to happen and buy a bunch of time. And I think Lucas Raymond can be that. Um, not, not to maybe Elias Pettersson, but like that kind of impact on a, um, or that style of impact on, on some games. Um, but right now the way the Red Wings are playing is not necessarily, um, conducive to developing like those things. Like, like he, if they wanted to play him on the, on the top line, they want to play him against tough matchups. He's got to be in position to just make, The right play in every given moment and that doesn't always it's not always conducive to what the best thing for your development is if they feel he can do both then they can keep him up and 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 make that call but if they feel like he has he's having to prioritize surviving um and 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 not hurting the team at the expense of kind of some of the puck touches then i think that becomes a question but you know the, the one thing about raymond that has been a theme that Jeff Blashill's talked about is he really thinks he has a B game and he has a C game because how smart he is defensively. He just doesn't think he hurts the team at all defensively. And so that's going to help Lucas Raymond's case to stay up. But to me, like I would lean that, like, I, I think personally, I think Lucas Raymond should be in the NHL, but um, the question will be as, as you go through these next seven, eight, 15, 20 games, is he touching the puck enough? Is it, is he making progress in his development that you want to see um, largely through having the puck, um, and and if he's not, then is he going to get that in Grand Rapids instead? But to me, like I don't know. I, I think he looks he looks like he can hang, but you know, I think that's the question to keep monitoring.
1: Now, Moritz Cider, um, you know, it was a pretty much a given that he was going to make the team even with Nick that was one of the most rock solid pieces of information that anyone has had about the Red Wings in years. Um, and I I think in my opinion, Mort Sider hasn't come in and really, um, had the the same hot flashes that Lucas Raymond has had. Uh, but what I do think Mort Sider uh, has done is, uh, slowly warmed up and ramped up and we've seen him play progressively better and better. What's your take, um, on how he's kind of come through and what do you think he's still actively working on as he
0: gets uh, acclimated to the NHL? Well, to me, a lot of it has to do with just like the, the speed at which you have to do everything. And like, you know, it's the guys are going to forecheck you really, really hard. And, and so for cider, it's like, you got to be on the puck quick and, and you got to know where you're going with it quick. And um, yeah, um I, I think that makes a lot of sense as something for a young guy to adjust to. And I honestly, like you could probably say something similar with Raymond though. I think, you know, as a forward, it's maybe a little less, there's fewer moments where it kind of comes out. Right. But um, those would be the things that I would say, like for cider, you're, you're I'm watching pretty closely. I was like, okay, how is he handling having to get back in deep on a retrieval and know what, know exactly what to do with it or how long to hold on to it. But he's impressed me. Like, I mean, he had the one play at the blue line where, you know, he puts it like through his own legs and that's really impressive stuff. I mean, I, I don't know that uh, it's been like wow plays every night, but quietly you look down he's three points in two nights and, um, I think his possession numbers are at least okay, right? Like, um, although I don't, not possession numbers because the Red Wings have possession numbers are terrible, but like the shot quality numbers. Actually, I can pull up evolving hockey while we talk here and, and see exactly how they are. But, um, no, I, I think he's holding his own and he, he's clearly earned a fair bit of trust from the coaches fairly early on here in his career. I think he played, he's played more than 20 minutes in both games so far, right? Uh, I'm not sure about the first game but the second game definitely i i'm oh. pretty sure he did in the first game oh then there you go yeah so i mean cider on the red wings expected goals four percentage is fifty three percent or fifty two point nine seven on evolving hockey right so it's like okay like and that's a that these are i don't know what the, what it was in Tampa, but like I would imagine Vancouver had at least a, a, a decent uh, number there yesterday because they outshot the Red Wings basically by a two to one margin. So yeah, I mean for, for Cider as a rookie to come in and and it's, we're talking about super small samples here, but a few points on the board, pretty decent shot quality stats. Like I think that's all things considered pretty good start. I, I'd also had Gustav Lindstrom's coming in there sitting of, of the Red Wings who played both games and in, in first by expected goals, four percentage. So that's an under the radar thing to monitor, but again, two games. Yeah. He's looked good. Yeah, I, I think he's a smart, smart player and, and I don't think he's flashy at all. We'll see, um, what the, what the long-term future holds for him. I don't know that he's ever really going to play like a, a massive role. And, and you could probably argue that Cider like and Letty are getting maybe the tougher matchups right now. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Gustav Lindstrom of the, uh, of all the guys through, through the first two games who may be under the radar, um, putting up kind of statistical little Im- impressions, uh, that would be toward the top for me. Too hot of a take, more
1: at in the Calder conversation?
0: Too early of a take. Not too hot of a take. I mean, if, look, it's, it's not hot take if he's got three points in two games, but it's just too early of a take. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. if, look, Dennis Chalowski had eight points in his first 11 games, and I remember it vividly because I wrote an article about his Calder odds, like right around that mark, and from there it was, you know, off a cliff, and I look like an idiot. So I'm not doing any Calder talk until the 20 game mark this year. That's, that's my self rule. Well, you should reserve the right to break it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want to ask you about um, Alex Tenge and and how the coaching staff has changed, but I guess with, with the, the physical barriers with COVID and that not really kind of rolling back yet with the reporters, that, that must be still tough to get a read on that. Yeah. On the, uh, the the power play. Yeah, I I guess just like the sense around the coaching staff. Um, I'm really asking for like the vibe around the team, which is which is t- difficult to glean from Zoom.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what I'd say about the power play though is like everyone who I think talked about it, like the the thing that I remember over and over again hearing is like they the way they're moving the puck really quickly, and I don't think that takes a, you know insight from the locker room to see. I think anyone who watches it can see the Red Wings are moving the puck way quicker, way more kind of intentionally um, than in past years. It's not just up to the top and then a one-timer try and up to the top. Oh, let's flip sides. And then a one-timer try it's they're trying seam passes. They're trying down low. They're going bumper. Then back to the point, like it's just make the pass quick, whatever you're going to do, do it quick. And that has to me yesterday. I thought the power play looked really good. Yeah. Power play looked fantastic yesterday. It looked dangerous. It did. And I think especially the second unit, the Cider unit that has Hronik on the left flank, Zadina on the right flank, if, if that can get working, like that's, you know, Zadina to me, for him to score on a one-timer yesterday was a really big development because as much as I think the shot was the thing that was advertised as really um, impressive uh, coming right out of the draft and in prospect tournament, I remember thinking, okay, this is a really good shot. You know, in the NHL so far, I wouldn't say the one-timer has been a strength for him.
1: Yeah. And that's where a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about he's had bad shooting luck. But in my opinion, and this is subjective, I think the shot just hasn't he hasn't converted in his first couple of years. And the one timer is a big part of that. He certainly looked for it.
0: but yeah. the conversion rate wasn't there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, part of it is, you know, the uh, one timer is a little different of a shot. Like there's a timing element to this that's like you you better be able to put it right where you want it on one touch. And that's as much as we would love to think everyone who has a good hard wrist shot is is going to have a great one-timer, that's not the case. So um, to me to see him score that way in, in game one or game two, I should say, sorry, um, that was something I kind of made a little mental note of that. If, if that happens a couple more times in these first, you know, nine, 10 games, um, all of a sudden you start to wonder, okay, is this an area that, you know, he's really made a noticeable improvement in? Okay.
1: You're not allowed to say uh, Cider or Raymond, I want you to give me two players on the team that are notable that you are watching intently for any reason over the course of the season.
0: Okay, um, well... I'd start with Robbie Fabry, partly because I, I mean, I picked him to lead the team in goals this year in my bold predictions article. And part of that article is I'm trying to pick something that's not like, you know, automatic. So like there's an element of it, but I I also think for, I did it for a reason, which is I'm really impressed with this guy's goal scoring touch. And yesterday he does it on on the tip and goal, but think to yourself, like how many times in the last two years has Robbie Fabry put a puck right where it needs to be on like a half seconds touch. And, and it, the numbers like it might be double digits. And so, um, when I think about Robbie Fabry, a guy in a contract year, he could get moved at the deadline. I'm not gonna, the Red Wings aren't, aren't past that phase of their, their, uh, rebuild by any means, uh, yet. But, you know, a, a guy who's still young and a guy who I think if he's able to stay healthy, Can this kind of be his breakthrough year where, where he really, um, you know, delivers in that 25 plus goal range? That that was one of my bold predictions. So that's definitely something I'm watching. And I think it's got at least a chance to happen. And that's kind of how I make those predictions is I, I try to think of something that's like, maybe doesn't seem automatic, but at least would have a chance of happening as, as something, uh, you know, that, you know, if if a couple things break the right way, the the ingredients are there for it to happen. And then, you know, the other guy I would, I would say, um, is Danny De Kaiser, and and it's kind of on the other side of things. He's late in his career, and it's kind of can he find another? Can he find kind of the old Danny De Kaiser of even you know? People are hard on DeKaiser, but I think two or three years ago, my first and and ultimately part of my second year on the beat. Um, there were times where I guess second year on the beat, he got hurt really early, but my first year on the beat, there were times where I really saw what I think the Red Wings see in Danny, which is that he's a guy who you can put him out there in hard situations. And it, it's not like he's going to, you know, change the game every time he's out there, but I think you did see he could, he was able to kind of manage the game a little bit back there. And that's why he was trusted with the minutes he was trusted with. If they can get back to having that Danny to Kaiser, um out there with philip Peronick, i think that's a huge deal for them but you know we'll see whether that happens and i think he's at the opposite kind of end of his career where it's like you're kind of wondering now like it, does he still have that in him does he still have 20 minutes a night in him and if he doesn't you know that's that becomes a question mark that you know i don't think they they want to have that question mark it, with the kind of minutes that they have so far asked him to play
1: all right well we have uh, quite a bit of season to come which means we're going to have quite a few more conversations but for now uh max thank you for joining the show uh everyone if you haven't heard this spiel before and even if you have um the athletic is one of the most worthwhile subscriptions i've ever personally had and that's purely because of max's articles if you're a red wings fan and you're not reading them yet please if you're going to listen to one thing we ever say on this podcast is read max's work uh the athletic detroit uh m underscore Baltman on twitter max thanks for joining the show um We'll do it soon. And actually, I believe I can finally
0: make good on that uh, lunch I owe you from years ago, (laughs) now that I can cross the border again. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Ryan went to the trouble of starting a global pandemic to avoid... (laughs) uh going getting me lunch after i got him lunch last time we were in town like he was gonna get the next one and he went to the trouble of starting all of this just because he didn't want to do that so i'll believe that when i see it but seriously thank you very much for for all the kind words man and uh it's good that we you know we kept in touch obviously through through the whole thing but it's good to good to be back on the show and and uh great to talk to everybody out there you guys have uh have an awesome fan base so i appreciate it and
1: uh anything for free mexican food
0: all right talk soon max (laughs) see ya so
1: that was our uh, our conversation with Max Boltman and the reason we're laughing is because usually in our our little breaks as we we take a pause to uh, splice in the interview <laughs> we end up talking or telling a story which borderline should make the episode or not. Some days I let it make the episode and some days no. <laughs> that one maybe could have.
3: It was you talking about you. Yeah. But which you can get away with it, Evan and I definitely can't. Absolutely not.
2: Absolutely you not. Could you, a, you can have a spinoff <laughs> segment on like Ryan, Hannah, me, and my family. Oh,
3: <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid we'd be too popular
1: this podcast <laughs> after that.
2: <laughs> too
3: relatable <laughs> a night in with ryan hannon that's like the closing sequence and now for a story about my parents <laughs> anybody
1: <laughs> any uh middle eastern listener i know there's a few out there uh who grew up with immigrant parents i love mine to death I, i've talked about it on this podcast i love them the world but you know what it's like <laughs> um okay on that note why don't we jump into overtime here? Um, overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Uh, incredibly cool people, all six to uh, in incredible shape, uh, don't have a regret in their lives, and are just altogether immortal in every good way. So, Winged Wheel Pod, or damn it, patreon.com slash Wheel podcast.
3: If you want to support the show and be better than everyone else, including there's, me who can't speak, there's at least one person who's a patron of ours that reasonably fits that description right now that's just going
1: oh thank you yeah like <laughs> finally he noticed <laughs> all right we're gonna start with miss days who says uh this might be the most drama filled start to our season in a decade the boys aren't taking shit anymore and you'd love to see it the lightning returned to the lca 25 years to the day of fight night it is written into the star written in the stars what's the over under on the number of fights three and a half i will set it at three and a half as well and i will happily take bets on that too uh jeffrey Blashows. <laughs> <laughs> that's good uh says well we saw a lot of last year's wings against vancouver the power play continues to impress and i love the team attitude knowing at any moment a red wings player might take their skate off and stab someone with it uh evan what's your favorite dance gavin dance album mine is mothership but open to other albeit wrong opinions as well
2: um mine is downtown battle mountain the first i'm a big johnny craig fan I think that's fair. You say? Um, Wait, is not of the person? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, are you allowed to say that? <laughs> big, big fan of his talent, but not of his person.
3: Okay, yeah, because Evan almost got himself canceled there for a second. <laughs> yeah, i have no idea what we're talking about. He's, he's, it's a, another he's a per- bad person. Neither
2: per- another story of a forgot person who's just a, a shitty person, but has like all the talent. In
3: Remember the, the story world. Evan told us about the golf, the yeah, guy at yeah. the golf club before. Yeah, kind of like that. Oh. Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. Nick Geyer says it's early, but seeing that fist pump from Zadina after his goal might be my favorite part of the year. Love that for him. Rank your favorite moments from the first two games, whether it be the Larkin Punch, Bertuzzi
3: goal, Cider Puck Troll, or Zadina goal. Uh, Rank or just pick a favorite? How's this going? Let's go one, two, three. All right. uh, Cider Puck Troll, number one. (laughs) For sure. Hands down. Uh, Two, I'm going to go Zadina goal just because, like... You guys know me and Zadina, apologies. Uh, and then three, I'll go the Larkin Sucker Punch.
1: I'm going to go Larkin Punch, number one.
3: Actually, sorry. No, I'm changing number three. Just that picture.
1: Yeah. Uh, F- <laughs> Fabry, Raymond, number two. Just that picture is number three. I'm going to go Larkin Punch, including the Bertuzzi immediately in there fighting as best bros. Um the cider troll, and I'm gonna go Raymond stripping the puck from Quinn Hughes, who had zero goals last game, and Philip Zadina had one, if I'm remembering correctly.
2: Uh, what was the like overarching?
1: Any of your favorite three moments
2: um, from two games? Yeah, the troll moment was definitely. I'll say that was two. Okay. Zadina goal three, and uh, the bingo card cold cock number one cold cock sandwich cold cock.
3: So here's the perfect example of why we Red Wings fans are not allowed to complain about entertainment value thus far. None of us picked what could arguably be the goal of the year in the (laughs) NHL this year, uh, where Tyler Bertuzzi pulled it through his own legs, split Mikhail Sergachev and Victor Hedman and then ripped on Vasilevsky. Oh, and he also had a four goal game that game, and that didn't make the list either.
2: I was, I thought we were given the three. Oh, no. Oh, we weren't? Okay. Still. I I would not say NHL
3: point, not there. Lucas Raymond's first NHL point, not there.
2: (laughs) We have no lack of content. That's for sure.
1: Um, Dylan Larkin's fat ass says, I went to the game last night. The place was electric. I was right behind the net for that Zadina goal. What a beaut. Josh Brink says, Buffalo's undefeated and on top of the division, just as we all expected. Imagine how good they would be with a 1C.
3: Someone like Eichel, do you think they have access to trade for him? Hey, let's not. Crown Buffalo the Kings of the Division yet when the undefeated in regulation Detroit Red Wings are right behind them right on their heels. Babe Landis Cox is very hungover
1: after the win. Worth it. Adam I wish I could finish like Ernie says what did the Red Wings do to these other teams and officials to make them treat to have them treat them like this. Haven't been this pissed watching a game since the 15-16 playoffs against those rat bastard Lightning bugs. Yeah, someone pissing someone's Cheerios in a big way. Alec Kenny says, happy to see a Red Wings dub, even if it was mostly uh, on the back of Grice. I got engaged up in Traverse City on Thursday. Alec, congratulations, man. Hell yeah. Uh, and I was really hoping to see them pull off a win against Tampa to complete the perfect day. I guess I can settle for Burt scoring four and Mo and Raymond recording their first NHL points. Thanks again for all you guys do. Alec, seriously, congrats. That's awesome. Um, Evan Feets Guy Lobsinger says, <laughs> I often listen to you guys on my headphones while I do dishes. That interview with Ken, I didn't understand. <laughs> Uh, Ken had a lot of like, he had like rentals going on in the background and I think someone was doing dishes, um, during the interview, which like when you, we've all been, we we used to record right next to your kitchen and there would just be dishes happening in the background before we actually had our studio. Um, I didn't understand how the dishes were so loud until I stopped and the background. Dish noise kept going. I refuse to believe this was not an intentional troll. Ryan, please train in secret, uh, in... And or rig an elaborate conspiracy to get a hole-in-one while on the course with Evan. Someone
3: needs to stop his golf obsession.
1: I'm telling you it'll happen.
3: I'll I'll volunteer to help pull a Space Jam. (laughs) Like anybody who's
1: seen that knows what I'm talking about. Like how I'm going to get get an ace before you do.
2: No, I understand that, but I don't understand the Space Jam reference.
1: Have you seen Space Jam?
2: Not in 25 years. That's fair. That's fair. Um,
1: Evan's a pretty measured person. Like even when he's telling us about a crazy day like the way he describes it he's like he's very calm compared to brad and i i'm convinced he would hit me with his driver if i aced it before him
2: i would be happy for you but secretly well maybe not secretly but no you dying inside he, he would club you like and it wouldn't just be anything i would i would congratulate you very heavily <laughs> <laughs>
3: And you know it's gonna be something like evan's gonna step up it'd be a situation evan would step up with like a nine iron throw a dart to like 10 yards out you'd go up with like a three wood knock it off a tree and it rolls in
2: yeah you'd go up for the chest bump and i would just punch you straight in the chest that's, that's how it would work
1: i think i would get off easy the nhl department of player safety is a joke and george per- perils should, should suspend himself says new patron here
2: Thank you. That so was much. a name. Yeah. Uh,
1: appreciate the support and welcome to the Dub Dub Club. says, been re- listening regularly uh, since Wings for, since the demise of Wings for Breakfast. Uh, thank you guys for the fun hockey talk with Blash's comments about possibly needing to get people in here to protect Larkin and the rest of our skill players. All I can say is I hope we don't follow the Rangers model. Yeah, I hope it doesn't go that far.
3: I don't, like I said earlier, um, one, talking about Blashill Hill hit, it shouldn't go unnoticed that his comments when addressing the issue were very measured and accurate without holding back and explaining why it was garbage and it was garbage the way the league reacted that they did. But also, yeah, Ernie, Rasmussen, Bertuzzi, Smith, Heronik. There are more than a few guys who are, are willing to jump in and take care of business here. So I don't think we're at the Witkowski uh, option yet, but if it keeps happening, we might have to.
1: um as good as it gets as i talked about this a bit in the patreon discord but it would it be worth starting a punchline? credit to kyle sander if the refs just keep letting things get out of hand not yet i think punch players is good enough for now sleeve McDykel says with how often you hear about european prospects having to adapt to the north american ice or game do you think we'll see euro leagues start to change to the north american
3: rank size four meters less wide been, like, a lot of S- some not all um they probably like it because certain players excel on that ice and when those players come over and fail in north america they're more likely to go back rather than just stay in the ahl like a uh, recent example miko Letnin of columbus refused a demotion and he was a guy who was like torching the khl came over to north america and did nothing so a guy like that if it's small ice everywhere probably just stays in North America, which would be bad for the Euro leagues.
1: Um, And then they say from a player and prospect perspective, how big of a deal could this be? I think it would make a tangible difference, right? Like you might be looking at teams shaving off some months or maybe even a season as to when they would bring a guy up because they want him to first make sure that he's ready to be out there, get the puck off his stick quick enough and be able to defend himself. People don't realize that. It's not just about being gassed the different ice size or like the the difference in fitness. Like, yeah, sure you have to skate less on the smaller ice, but you also at every moment have someone has someone who's like six three and two twenty barreling down on you wanting to murder you. Like you need the time and space and the reaction time for that. Uh Andy uh Van Dieron Andy Van Derendonk, I'm sorry, Andy, I, I butchered that. I really was confident going in, uh, says first two games have been uh, exciting. Big is looking like a vet and Raymond is picking pockets already. <clears throat> Quinn Hughes. Meanwhile, there are rumors that the Blackhawks are already looking to trade Dylan Strom. If the Red Wings look to trade for him, what
3: do you think we would have uh, to give up to get him? I don't know, cause Strom's had such a weird part in his career where he's not quite the bust everybody thought he would be, but he's a far cry from the fourth overall pick everybody thought he would be. He's a usable NHLer, but not a surefire top six NHLer. Honestly, I think a mid round pick and a half decent prospect gets it done at this point. He's he's not a, a super hot commodity. I yeah, I would struggle to have him
1: higher in the lineup than Pew Suter in terms as far as centers go.
3: Yeah, in terms of yeah, well, they played on the same team last year. It'd be interesting to actually look back and see who is playing more significant minutes.
1: Um, AJ Voss says, I'll never understand how Peros got his job. I can understand wanting a former player for the role, but unless he was the only one to apply, how did the NHL decide he was the most qualified? Uh, a former enforcer being the head of player safety literally sounds like a guy, a family guy storyline. Let's put D'Angelo as head of, head of the committee for diversity inclusion while we're at it. <laughs> The Caminator says, who would have thought that when I took Mo in the last round of my fantasy draft, we would be uh, one of the higher point getters on the team? Remember last year when I asked Evan to read the comment when the Wings are over 500? We win Tuesday and he reads comments. Oh, comments? Yeah. If, if As long as the Red Wings are over
3: 500, you're the one reading out Patreon comments.
1: Well, if- I don't
2: remember that.
3: <laughs> oh, here we are. Uh, oh, my God. And they're playing Columbus. This might happen. Evan's <laughs> <laughs> sweating.
1: Um." Colorado 14ers says, I've noticed linesmen being much more aggressive in breaking up potential fights. To that point, with all the scrummy and chippiness of the first two Wings games, not one player received a major for fighting. I I enjoy the occasional fight, but I am by no means an advocate for fighting to be an integral part of a team's success. I believe that letting a fight happen in the first period might prevent consistent after the whistle offsetting minors throughout the game. At some point, the officials need to just let guys go and relieve the tension.
3: Yep, because if a guy – well, like we were explaining earlier, the way stupid hockey culture works, but it's hockey culture, is if a guy is running around doing dumb stuff, the general way to stop him is to punch him in the face. And If you can't punch him in the face, there's no incentive for him to stop doing the dumb shit he was doing. Jake Kiefer says, now that we have a very small sample size
1: of Moritz, would you trade him one for one with Bowen and Byram? <sighs> I think there's too much even – contextually and emotionally attached and i think it's now. such a fair i think
2: both teams like what they have right? yeah. yeah i
3: think it's such a fair trade it's just redundant so no team would really need to that that's like a change of scenery type trade if both guys go in the tank not oh yeah we have this really good prospect you have that really good prospect let's switch them for no apparent reason
1: Tori blakely says i uh, got to offend, attend my first live hockey game in 19 months uh on Friday with the Griffins home opener, felt so nice to be back in the an arena and he- uh, hearing the crowd go crazy for every goal. Uh, and in the stands when Witkowski sent a Rockford player into another dimension. Fingers crossed for a Grand Rapids meetup soon. Retroactive cheers with my $2 beers. I think, uh, maybe the pandemic was started to keep Evan away from the $2. Was it tequila night? Whatever it was.
2: <laughs> it was, uh, margarita. margarita night. And the next night was, or I, th- it was mar- hot dog night
3: and margarita yeah, night. Yeah, mar-
2: I think it was hot dog night on the Friday and then margarita night on the Saturday, which would have been a terrible combination for my body. It, it you, you wouldn't have be- made it bad. It
3: should have been the other way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Dildo-, <laughs> Dildo
1: says, how do we know the difference <laughs> between a bad draft pick and poor development? Seems like Chalosky falls on the ladder, but how can we ever really tell? Time? Well, development tracks can... Uh, can really mess up a player they can have all the talent in the world and if they reach age 23 and have not been developed properly other teams aren't going to start over with them because that's that's a big risk why why put your assets into a guy who's surpassed a lot of formative years in terms of being a hockey player the truth is you'll never know for sure you can you can do things like if a team seems to have a more busts on average than usual then yeah that's probably a development issue but Compare uh it's like in Formula One, you can't really compare drivers except for their teammates because they're driving the same car. Compare players of similar skill levels who came through the same system.
3: One thing that I kind of keep an eye on again, it's so subjective it's hard it's when a player is drafted, you know what type of player they are and you know their strengths. You don't know to what level, but you know who they are as a player, so like coming out of the draft, we know Lucas Raymond, for example. High skill, high offense, responsible two-way winger who plays like a, a very East-West type like in and out game. If he does not look like he's playing that style of game in three years with the Red Wings, they change something fundamentally about him. And that's a problem. And there's been some obvious examples of that in Detroit over the years, and then some not so obvious ones. So it's it's almost impossible to tell, but that's for me the one kind of sort of way you can tell. Um, Next comment here is from Max, $1 million.
1: who says, I recently listened to Seth Jones on the 32 Thoughts, and they discussed the split locker room in Columbus last year. Hearing about that situation got me thinking about bad teammate experiences. Never played hockey at any level, so my experience just comes from street hockey, where I had one and only fight with a teammate. He was slashing my brother who was playing on the other team, and after a bit, my wires just crossed, and we both dropped the gloves. Yes, I fought my teammate and won. What's the worst bad teammate experience you've had, or what would it – uh, take for you to drop the gloves and fight your teammate. Also, Ryan, you can call me Max, Max a million if that's easier than Max one million dollars. Ah, don't give me any bricks. I can't read.
3: I've been pretty lucky. I can't think of anything egregious. <coughs> Hockey culture is, uh, it's a very in group. And if
1: you're trying to make a competitive team as an outsider who hasn't been part of that team for a long time, even after you make the team, like I made a team Where this team had been together for years and years and years and I I broke through and made the team and the guys were never like assholes to me but if I was out there on the ice and I got laid out like they were almost as loud as the other bench when I got (laughs) hit and that that happened for probably like the first third or half of my first season on that team and again like it is what it is like you you kind of have to earn your stripes in hockey. That sucks. Yeah, it's not good. That's traumatic almost. Yeah. I did the same thing to someone else, though. Like, I, <laughs> like
2: it's oh, that's just how it it's is.
1: It's a shitty set. Hockey players are garbage. Like, we're all trash. <laughs> Cases in point. Um... Eric Sienkowski says, forget everything that made me angry about uh, Burt not getting the shot. He's back in my top three. Watching him get under the skin, pun intended, of the whole Vancouver team was some of the most entertaining hockey I've seen from the Wings in a while. Also give Larkin a one-game suspension for Garland's hit on Zadina. <laughs> Matthew Lynch says, did Suter catch the Zadina bug? The dude has been so close to scoring a lot now, I feel. that's eh, only two games. Uh, Adam Bybee says Soderblom and Johansson both have seven points already in their respective SHL campaigns. Yeah. Valeno has been killing it in Grand Rapids through two games. Soderblom and Johansson have been fantastic. Like the kids are all right. Ethan Phillips scored his first goal since January 2020 because he missed all of last season. Master Simone continues to look good.
3: Not going to talk about the two assist performance by uh, the toot toot train. No, right. Uh, Tutayev who continues.
1: We say project pick quite a lot. This kid is fascinating to watch.
3: Remember how for like two years, the Red Wings fan base obsessed over Otto Kivin-Mackie, and he's still like over in Finland at like a half a point per game? Chayev's already in <laughs> Grand Rapids producing two years later as a seventh round pick. That is remarkable. Now, is it going to keep up all year? Who the hell knows? But the fact he doesn't look out of place is phenomenal. I'm just impressed
1: that, two tie, or that Kim and Mackey's still playing after that.
3: Oh, that one hit. Yeah, uh, bad.
1: Jeremy Dahl says, uh, I watched the game at my restaurant with my dad and fiance, all wearing our red and whites while surrounded by Vancouver fans. I was nervous about losing due to the ribbing I would take and we're going into it without our best players. To me, beating Vancouver is even better than beating the Leafs. I'm so incredibly jazzed about the boys. Furk the Nucks and go Wings go. Keep up the good work. Also, can you tell my dad to relax on Zadina? He keeps saying this is make or break and doesn't have much confidence. I think he's looking good and poised to break out. Keep up the good work. You guys are awesome. Yes, even Brad.
3: On pace for 82 points. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think make
1: or break. I think let's say Zadina has an average year and and puts up between 30 and 40 points. People might be disappointed. Um, but remember, you can change your expectations and a player cannot perform up to a draft position and still be an important part of the future.
3: He just, well, if you redrafted that draft right now, he still goes round six. Like he's not anybody, it's not like guys drafted behind him are, well, everybody drafted behind him is exploding right now. Um, like it's easy to forget he's going into what, his third season? He's a career 0.44 points per game. For his age, that's not bad. Like, yeah, if if he didn't have the pandemic and some bad luck and a couple other hurdles along the way, at this point in his development, you'd like him to be further along than that. But it's not like he is absolutely floundering in the NHL. Like, he's damn near a half a point per game, which over a full season is like 41 points. That's not, that's not nothing. No. I think really
1: the only guy who – one of the only guys who jumps him – I don't know Joel Faraby. I
3: think Faraby and Hughes are the only two that yeah. you can confidently say go ahead of him in a yeah, redraft. But yeah. that Sorry, being said, Hughes was
1: the automatic answer.
3: Yeah, there. but the uh, the counter to that is you probably take Zadina ahead of Kinyami and Hayton right now. So. <laughs>
1: um bill nye the thigh guy says hey dub dub boys i've been loving the content and evan's lack of enthusiasm this may s- <laughs> this may sound dumb but i actually read that in, in, as i was reading ahead i thought he said evan's enthusiasm so i thought he was gonna mm. make note that you've been more enthusiastic but in turn i think that's what he means nope three right under the bus y- yep yeah. uh this may sound dumb but do you worry about the wings overperforming? uh we're on track for our rebuild but i think it would do more damage if we don't draft in the top five
2: red wings have played what
1: two games two games and they have no left side of the defense and they have
2: no
3: losses in regulation (laughs) um no yes is it would
1: it be nice to get two more draft lottery um picks and possibly shane wright and possibly michkov and possibly bedard yeah uh rebuilds never go as planned they just don't it doesn't shake out that way i'm sorry It, it probably won't I will not begrudge the Red Wings turning this thing around in an, or- in an organic way, even if the timing wonks things up a little bit. You
3: do not. I don't think the timing wonks everything up. I think this is the year it's acceptable. So first of all, let me put it this way. Even the Red Wings finished like fifth last, and we're all acutely aware of this, but I feel like it's worth repeating. It's still more likely than not the Red Wings don't get Shane Wright. Right. I know, not winning a lottery, shocking, but you know, you plan for that because that's the more likely. If the Red Wings overperformed last year, it would have been bad because the majority of the players getting ice time last year were older guys who are not a part of this future. This is now a young team with the Moe Siders, Lucas Raymonds, Dylan Larkins, you know, guys you can, Giovanni Smith, Rasmussen, pick whoever you want, guys who are going to be around for a while. If that group of players is successful, there's no reason to not be happy about that. This is the group that we now want to see progression from. I don't care if the Red Wings win a ton of games be- last year because Darren Helm, Luke Lendening, and Valt- Valtteri Fipple scored six goals in a game inexplicably. Yeah. That does nothing for the long-term future of the team. This would.
1: Um, large, the prophet of the towering behemoths is greeting sweetophiles with Edvinson's stellar start to the SHL season. Can we put talk of his average averageness from scouts to bed. I can't remember a prospect that's been poorly scouted by the hockey media uh, as much as he was. All of the dumb takes that were made. Wings fans feel free to laugh in their collective faces. Also you have to remember Slovakian kid Dalabor Dvorsky. He's playing for AIK's J20 team and as a 16 year old he has 23 points in 14 games. 2023 draft eligible and hopes that in 2022 we draft Jonathan Lecker Lekarimaki because I uh hearing you guys say Lakerimaki will be glorious. So I will not. <laughs> See, what was his first name again? Jonathan. Perfect. <laughs> Jonathan takes the pucks up the puck. Over, <laughs> it's like the old NHL, like you pick your name. It's like Brad takes the puck up before. <laughs> they never had Ryan. They, so it was always Hannah. Hannah makes the pass. But it was like I had to, or Hannon. I always had to pick Hannon because it's Scott Hannon. That's why it's the only reason that audio was in the game. C. Nods says uh, the wings aren't boring. I'm loving the energy and their willingness to scrap. Sider looks good. Raymond's hockey IQ is crazy. Couldn't ask for a better start. Do you think it's a sign he's not sta- Bertuzzi's not staying around since he
3: didn't get the A? Um I don't know if it's a sign of him staying around or not, but if that is a reason, how do I phrase this? The reason he didn't get the A could also be the reason he's very hard to trade. Yes. (laughs) Any player,
1: it does not matter what you think about the situation. I am not surprised to see a player in Bertuzzi's situation where, A, he just went through two tough contract negotiations and made a decision which automatically excluded him from nine games this season. And a lot of team activities. I, I, I would be shocked if he got the A. And that's not a comment on whether or not he should that is just you would be insane to not expect as much
3: like the entire nhl but four players i mean we know how hockey culture thinks right now um also can we take
1: a moment to acknowledge how many enemies detroit is making zadina calling the canuck <laughs> an angry little elf but yeah that's not what he said <laughs> larkin on joseph i love it becoming less uh, of a bit Jeffrey Blash... Becoming less of a bit Jeffrey Blashill Stan Club says Mort Cider is on pace for 123 assists this season. I said he does it. <laughs> Dylan K. asks if we have reevaluated expectations of Cider based on his early sample size. Nope. No. No, don't get... Don't get too far ahead or behind yourself. It's important. Sample size is important. Also, Evan, what's the best DGD album and why is it Instant Gratification?
2: It wasn't this question already asked? Yeah, I mean... <laughs>
1: I, he, this guy used an initialism and the other guy wrote out the name. I don't know. George P. Burdell says, new patron here. Uh, glad to finally get into, uh, the overtime thread. George, thank you so much for your support. Welcome to the dub dub quote club um enjoyed my first hockey game in person since going to a thrasher's game as a kid uh looking forward to november i did notice that it seems like we could have done better in the face-off circle towards the end of the game against tampa know anyone who the wings might be interested in that can win them some looking forward to a more fun this year, uh, season this year stay fresh
3: i will repeat face-offs have way lower impact on the game than you would think um
1: vaxxed wax and ready to snort a few lines of connor garland's little person <laughs> It says, Ryan pushes his draft time up three hours to try to throw us off. Yeah, I was just trying to throw off Katie. If you ever, if you guys are ever um, a shake out where Katie is in your league for fantasy football, beware. She's going to take every player that you want, and she's going to beat you soundly with them. She is a menace to play with.
2: I don't play fantasy football. Hockey, you
1: dummy in our leagues. Oh, you said football. Yeah, you definitely said Well, I'm the dummy then, aren't I? I apologize, but I'm not changing my tone of voice uh seeing how this tiny impoverished podcast is barely struggling uh to accommodate evan's hot tub i've decided to take one for the team and to ascend to the top patreon tier now when i stumble home from work and shout into the streets of manhattan woohoo i'm on the top patreon tier some upper rep upper west side street hobo can yell back no one gives a shit you drunk asshole (laughs) oh yeah matthew joseph and connor garland you fellas can go eat glass Aussie for all of fame, stay fresh cheese bags. We need to rename our top tier from Evan's Enigmas to Evan's Hot Tub. (laughs) Whatever you want to do, right? I actually fully support that. Soak It Insider says, (laughs) Damn it. I missed it. The best part is there's a number number 69 at the end of that (laughs) name. Says, I'm just here for the WAP, a.k.a. Wings and Pizza. Damn it, Evan, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, Anyways, what's your favorite sauce for wings? (laughs) Buffalo. uh, Outside, shout for Garpar. I like a hot barbecue. (laughs) Barbecue is overrated. I can't.
2: It is not how does this keep happening to you dude uh, (laughs) i
1: i got brain fog i have like preemptive dad brain i'm not even close to having kids but my brain is warmed up oh my god there's no going back and they know and they're capitalizing on it i didn't even hear the question i don't care (laughs) jake jake bloom says have the first two games influenced how you guys feel the season is going to go uh yes and that is going to be more watchable no not for overall standings
3: that is the correct answer
1: mike caviani says anyone else need to be reminded that it's okay to root for the wings now i've been so obsessed with lottery odds for so long that i s- <laughs> still think being low in the standings is objectively best
3: for the reasons i j- previously laid out yes this is the reason if uh we start to climb it's okay thomas anderson says i'm so freaking pissed
1: about the continual cross-checking um and mentions the nhlpa's justification um what the hell is a cross-check in the back i highly doubt Dylan expected that, I, or not the NHLPA, Department of Player Safety. I don't care if the Wings don't win another game as long as they make everyone pay the fricks with them. <laughs> um, time for just one or two Reddit questions here. ZZE says, if Larks is out and Valeno is up, what do your lines look like?
3: Um, Pretty much as they are now, except I probably throw Valeno in as the third line center and bump. I really don't care who gets bumped down.
1: Uh, does Ras go down? No,
3: I don't think he Garnier? does. Gagne? Yeah, probably Gagne. Yeah. Yeah. I like Valeno at center more than Rasmussen, so I'd probably just throw Rasmussen to the wing on that line. I will bet that if Valeno comes up, he's on the wing,
1: which might not be the wrong move. Whatever. But, anyways. Uh okay, I'm looking at the time here and we're actually gonna wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all so much for for tuning in. Um it's been a really fun start to the year. Uh if you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod and then follow our individual accounts for game coverage, um, shit posting, things like that. So um appreciate everyone tuning in. Um I love and care about you all deeply except for you, Evan and you, Brad. Um you're both a bane and a curse, and every day with you is pain.
2: Firm but fair.
1: I'm sorry, were you talking to me? Absolutely not. Uh, thank you to all of our name level sponsors on Patreon Arjun Shankar, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, uh, Kyle Karagets, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of Crime, Ryan Hansman, and Simon Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, and Pizza, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanoluski, <laughs> Kalk Salk It. Brendan, you tried to get me there. Citizen High 5, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstom, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight, Probert, Greech, Hanali, Hassam al Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Adobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, RA, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacy Lynn, Vaxed, Wax and Ready to Snort a Few Lines of Connor Garland's Little Person Helmet. Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W, Dylan Larkin's fat ass, Evans Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, uh, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max 1 million dollars, Reed, Ravi DeLuca, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We will see you and talk to you on Wednesday.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.